thank you for choosing to listen to Mummy on a Break podcast. I am Maria Newman, otherwise known as Mummy on a Break. My journey to becoming Mummy on a Break started back in 2016. That was the year I took voluntary redundancy whilst on maternity leave with my second baby and without really having a plan. The only thing I knew at that moment was that I needed to change my job. And if I didn't seize the day and take my chance, I'd be in the same job doing the same thing up until the time I retired. The thought of that scared me. So long story short, I embarked on my journey of being mummy on a break, which actually started with my decision to start my own business. And by following a very windy road, it led me to create the life I really wanted. I now help women who were like the old me. I help busy working mums who are tired and exhausted take back control and create the life they really want. If you want to find out more about how I can help you, then check out my website, mummyonabreak.co.uk and click on work with me. However, for now, sit back, relax and enjoy this podcast episode. Welcome to the Mummy on a Break podcast. My name is Maria Newman and I am Mummy on a Break. You can find out more about me and Mummy on a Break on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. During this podcast series, I will be interviewing ordinary people like you and me, who I've met during my life, who I think are inspiring individuals. My guest today is Amanda Lewis, and we originally met as her husband, Lloyd Lewis, who we've already interviewed on this podcast, is one of the Bristol artists I was working with, and coincidentally, our olden children also go to the same school. Um, To give you a bit of background on Amanda, to sum her up, she is a wife, mum of two. She has had a varied corporate career, including flight attendant, marketing exec and teacher. And she is now Mrs Sensei at the Red Dragons Martial Arts. The um, reason why I wanted to interview Amanda is that she's had a very interesting life. She grew up in Hong Kong and in the last five years, she, together with her husband, have had to make some difficult decisions for their son. And she's also had to support her husband whilst he's gone through um, three major operations. And now she's supporting her husband and their new business, the Red Dragons Martial Arts. For me, Amanda represents the essence of many mums, which is getting on with things. Mm. The difference with Amanda is... Not only is she resilient, she always has a smile on her face. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for thinking I'm someone inspirational. (laughs) So I know you, but our listeners don't. So just tell us a bit about, you know, growing up in Hong Kong and how you got to where you are today, really. Um, Okay. Uh, So... Yes, my dad worked for the... He was a civil engineer, worked for the government, which took us out to Hong Kong. And um, obviously my mum... we I was one, uh, and we jumped on a plane, went halfway across the world. Um, my mum wasn't sure about it at the time. I think she was quite close with her parents, and um, it was a difficult decision. But 
there were times growing up I, I liked it and I hated it but overall I absolutely loved the fact that I grew up in Hong Kong and I miss it dearly um it was a great place to be a teenager in particular um and uh and we felt safe there and um our parents really let us they I think they had a great time too because they they trusted that we'd be safe we'd go to each other's houses a lot and we played it downstairs we all lived in blocks of flats and we'd play downstairs in the car parking area together British bulldogs and everything uh, um and all went to we went to English speaking foundation schools out there so it was based on the British system um but kind of I, I guess more like private education than um the state schools um and I, the only reason I really came back to the UK was for university. So, and I didn't have a clue where to come. And um, I just based it on my favourite teacher in secondary school. I asked him where he was from. <laughs> so, and he told me Cheltenham. I said, is that a nice place to live? And he says, yeah. And I found out that the University of Gloucestershire is based in Cheltenham. So I, I live there. <laughs> And, I, and then I, I did a sandwich course, um, so I had a year um, placement and I took that back to Hong Kong. So I worked in Hong Kong for a year. Um, I guess I was, how old would I have been? 20. Um, and then when I finished my degree, I went to work in London just because I thought I'd love London because I grew up in a city and London was a city, but I actually hated it there. <laughs> So I didn't hate it there. I just, I didn't give it long enough, I think. I've heard from other people that London's the kind of place that you need to live for a good few years in order to make it your home and make it and find out how. And I think I had, um, I wasn't on much of a salary. I was marketing, uh, sales and marketing assistant for um, the Hyatt Carlton Tower on Sloan, Sloan Street. Was it Sloan Square? It was in Knightsbridge. Knightsbridge. Um, and I basically had a little bed sit where I'd put a pound in a meter for my electricity. <laughs> and um, and I had no extra money to do anything really. Well, I, I did go out, um, uh, but that was it. I kind of jumped in my fiesta on the weekend and used to um, shoot off to visit friends or, or family. And that was my life really. It was just, I had no savings, couldn't, you know, I was probably slowly taking less each month than yeah what I was making um so I decided to to throw the towel in on that and my friend my best one of my best friends from Hong Kong Brian had uh become cabin crew for Monarch Airlines and we both shook on the top of Kai Tak Airport in Hong Kong which is one of the most if anyone's ever been to Kai Tak Airport it was fantastic especially if you're a plane spotter and I think um pilots now use that as on a simulator to learn difficult landings because it was Crikey. literally like they'd come in and then there was a checkerboard yeah. on on a on a hillside yeah when they got to that they knew they had to turn 90 degrees to, suddenly to land on the runway which was built out into the harbor so oh my and, goodness uh, it was a, a china airlines was one of them i think ran off the runway a few times <laughs> No, no casualties, luckily, but it wasn't the easiest to land on, apparently. But anyway, um, so we shook uh, 
we took someone to the airport one night when we were, that, this was during the year we worked there and um, said let's work in aviation so he called me and he said look get out of London if you're, if you're unhappy where you're working they're still recruiting at Warner. Mm. we'd be on the same fleet of aircraft um, so you know I applied for it it was on a Saturday and I'd, I'd applied for Virgin and Britannia as well and I got in with Monarch and um, got my wings. I did six months probation and thought, if that's it, if that's all I get through, that was an experience. I loved it. It's fine. I've done all the, the training, but I got kept on and um, used to do long and short haul. I think my favourite place to go was Goa. I loved going there. And Cuba. Cuba was great, although a bit more for couples than... <laughs> <laughs> more of a romantic destination. Uh, yeah, beautiful. Um, and then I... Um, left that my dad thought I'd taken a step backwards I a girl who had come out of a degree and then done that but it was actually really hard work we were more um we're not I realized that cabin crew is more about the safety element mm. there's a lot um that you do about safety there we're not really waitresses in the sky which is probably why half of us weren't very good <laughs> part of it um, but we never get a break we sat on a bar box in the back galley and shoving food in our face whenever we could which was like five minutes yeah and then after that I um I became a customer care manager for Continental Airlines but I was working there over September 11th so yeah. I had to take all the calls from people asking where I remember it vividly, especially working for an airline and it was an American airline and I, was it one of our aircraft that had gone into the building? It was yeah. just, it was awful. It was, we just couldn't, uh, we couldn't comprehend what was going on and, and then we were asked to work over the weekend just sitting on the phones taking calls from relatives asking if their loved one was on a particular flight but because of data protection we couldn't tell them anything. We couldn't know anything either because who would have known if somebody, one of us was infiltrated. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you don't know. Um, and that was hard work. And then we got um, the customer's, uh, customer um, care department got taken back to head office in Houston. So we were, I was made redundant. But then three months later, I went back to work for them as international marketing executive and looked after their frequent flyer program, the limousine service and the events and... Um, so I did all the world travel markets and the you know all the Excel shows, three people's job in one, and it was pretty stressful. <laughs> um, and eventually, my partner at that time got a job. He applied for the airport manager's role at Bristol Airport, got it, and I said I love Bristol. I used to go there and party when I was living in Cheltenham. His <laughs> friends from Hong Kong used to go to uni there. And um, let's do it. So he got the job. I sold the house, then handed in my notice and came and joined him and then worked at UE and and then um, badminton school in their marketing and um, recruitment. And then did my teach, teacher, um, I think it introduced me back into the idea of being a teacher again and uh, did my PGCE um, and then became a teacher. Yeah. So Crikey, bit of a roller coaster. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I never, yeah, I didn't think that teaching would be. I guess it was my longest standing career. Yeah, eight years, I think. But um, I was five years at Continental. I think <laughs> it's all a blur now. Um, so, as I said before, you're married with two children, a son and a daughter, um, and as a family, you're no strangers to hospital 
you've had to make some tough decisions about your son as he had his leg amputated when he was three, two, two, two yeah. years old. Um, and more recently, your husband has had undergone surgery on his back. And obviously this is all in the space of less than five years. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Fergus is six and a half now. So, and and his first operation was when he was one. So, yeah. yeah. So, can you can you share a bit more about your experiences with our listeners? And that's a lot to go through. So emotionally, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, you don't really, when you're in the heat of it, you kind of just, you're surviving, aren't you? And you just, I think any, I don't think that I'm any stronger than, than most people for what I had to go through. And you've, you've, you, you keep going for people you love. So, and women, I think very naturally do put themselves second a lot of the time anyway. So, um, uh, it was, it, it was tough. I didn't have the easiest childhood, so I've never really... Um, I always think if I'm, if things are tough, you you just you just have to get on with it. And, um, and when Fergus was born with his leg, we didn't we had no clue that was going to happen. It wasn't shown up on any scans. He had four scans, and it was really obvious that, that um it wasn't hereditary or genetic. It was one of those. It's one, one in four forty thousand in Europe alone have the condition. It's called fibula hemimelia, and it was the absence of a fibula bone in his left leg, which meant that his tibia um, didn't grow properly, and it and it grew back um, bent almost almost at a right angle, and his foot was smaller, and only had four toes, three of which were joined together. So it, so when he was put in front of me, the first thing I said to him, well, I said was, um, what's wrong with his leg? Which is something you can't really ever take back. It shouldn't have been that that way when when you first when you see mm, your first yeah, child, yeah. and then the midwives they obviously hadn't seen anything like it before, so they wrote on my notes suspected fracture, which really hit hard because I couldn't have been more careful during my pregnancy, more healthy, more happy. Mm. I was had a, had a great pregnancy with um Fergus. I had pain because I'm hypermobile and carrying um really does hurt, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very quick birth, and he's 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 never been a problem in any other ways. Like he's just a little little angel. I love him to bits, and he's he, he's dealt with it really. His character well. is awesome because he's just a real go getter. Yeah, he's very sensitive. He's really really kind hearted, and and he you know he he's so soft, but he thinks so much for other people and how to keep people happy so I think he likes being happy he knows being happy is important and he does everything that he can to make sure people are like that and he knows that by being happy himself and um and making people laugh is a great way to do that he's, he's yeah it's he's an admirable quality yeah admirable really yeah and and then obviously having to manage the house Mm. and your husband having to go through his operations to do with his back his neck yes it was his upper spine yeah it was i think he's got some issues with lower spine as well but i've kind of <laughs> uh, um i think yeah um i wouldn't say having fergus was a, was good um 
preparation for that because you can't say but and Fergus was uh, that's hard because he's your you you know you I carried him Mm. and and you and even though I wasn't responsible I couldn't help feeling like I was responsible whereas um with Lloyd it's something I think he he had had for a long time he was born with a, a, a fusion in his back but didn't know about it until I made him go um and have a x-ray because he was having so much back pain yeah and then he found out he had the fusion and then he uh i think i i believe it was something it it was a an injury that that caused he had three slip discs i think or perforated discs and then um so he the first operation was i'm probably gonna get it all wrong but it's some it was like a prosthetic um piece put in he's probably explained all this anyway oh and then go on carry on and then and and, uh, that was supposed to fix it i think he's yeah it was but it trapped another nerve um to the point that he had a nerve block to see if that helped and it didn't um so they had to cut away some bone to release some space for the nerve which was i i hadn't realized it at the time i i didn't want to look into it too much i had an inclination it might be quite a dangerous procedure um and it was so yeah they did that was the second bit that he had done then the um recovering from that uh i could see his pain levels were going up and up and up and up as he was coming off the drugs again and then he had to it was a long waiting game then for the next surgery i think it was another oh gosh it's all gone blurred in my head now i know he had three major surgeries the he had a, a prosthesis so my son and my husband have prosthetic parts of them now that you can't see, Lloyd. Um, so they went in the, th- the front of his neck the first time and then the second time was through the back and then the third again. And he had a spacers put in. The third one kind of um, was, they said it would be the definitive fix. And I was thinking, why didn't they do that in the first yeah, place? It was, yeah. it was a long waiting game and um, not a very happy time because it wasn't it wasn't my husband. It was a, a man living on really strong painkillers um, uh, and um, just bedridden most of the time. Mm. Couldn't help with the kids at all. Um, couldn't He wouldn't have been able to lift them. Even them trying to sit on his lap was painful for him. He would, he was just um, drugged up the whole time, and it was really bad. Him coming off the pain meds each time as well, because it was they they're very good at giving pain medication, but there's no program on getting mm. them off. And they these are strong addictive opiates and drugs, and it's hard work. And he did amazing, Lloyd really did amazing during that time um and then the last surgery left him with a paralysis of his voice so so he sounded he like kidded, batman well <laughs> when he did have something to oh, go yeah. on he did yeah, but at first it was nothing not yeah, even yeah. a whisper um and he uh, it was a month and a half before there was he had a he had surgery for that he had a, um something done in his throat an injection right inside to try and do something for his vocal cords and I, we were all frightened to death because if he had paralysis, which could was very close to being permanent, it, you know, it was it was likely it could have been permanent. Then, where was our income coming from? He was a teacher, a, a secondary school teacher. I'd left my, I was a teacher, secondary school, and I'd left that to for the care needs that my son had because I just couldn't cope with the workload mm. and all that. So we would have both been out of work because he couldn't teach. He also 
had thought about setting up his own martial arts school and you need a voice for that as well and your health um fitness so it was all a bit up in the air and that was the most frightening time and then he on his birthday i remember it was on 19th of april he had a little whisper of a voice start and it just day by day from that came back which was great so and then he told me he was gonna start <laughs> much yeah told me he was leaving his job oh my goodness so so to say you had tough times is actually a bit of an under understatement yeah and I'm always being told off for worrying and people say I worry unnecessarily and I worry before things actually happen but it's kind of (laughs) justified in some some ways I think I never know what's around the corner um so anybody who's been through a similar experience sorry going through a similar experience to what you've been through what what advice would you give them? Um, I just hang on in there because you at the time it looks it, it can't it you some days you think it can't get any worse than it is and you've got nothing left like no energy but you could one even one day can make all the difference and and it's about your mental attitude as well towards things and some days I was so drained. And I thought, I'm not doing right by my husband. I'm not doing right by my kids. I'm too stretched. But other days, like, you'd wake up and it'd just be completely different. So don't change what you're doing or or, um, or or beat yourself up if you're having a low time. If, you know, things get to the point that you think, you know, it's 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 not going to get any better. Because it will. Just give it, like, just... Just breathe in, just say, right, I'm going to write off today and I'm just going to go to bed and wake up and tomorrow things are going to be different. And, that, and you know, that helps. It it does make all the difference. Just one day at a time. Absolutely, yeah. And it, there is an end to it. There is always an end to it. And if you look back, I think if anyone looks back at times in their lives, they, re- they realise that at that time in their life, they didn't imagine things to be the way that they are now or um you know things always never work out the way that you think they're they're going to you can't predict Mm. so maybe times that you're going through are just sort of altering where you're going and it might end up being a better place than it was originally who knows you know you just got to go with it (laughs) (laughs) so if people haven't gathered already, life is busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you this question and you'll probably go, I don't know. But how do you get that work-life balance? I don't really think <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> I, I think I need, I'm, I'm starting to, to learn that I need to be more disciplined with the way that I organise my day. And certainly factor times in for myself and stop thinking of it as being so selfish. Um, I don't. I don't do much for myself. I've never been someone who goes to the hairdressers or like to the salon and and doing all those things. I don't spend money on myself. I don't go out shopping. <laughs> and maybe I should do more of those things. One thing that I haven't ever done since I was in my early twenties is go off on a holiday with my friends and I have just recently booked a holiday with three sisters Yay! so I it's gonna be crazy um for the end of, of August. Really good friend of mine and I can't wait. She's got three kids. Um her her other sister has a has a has a child and has recently 
Um, she's in remission from mm. ca- cancer. She's amazing and uh, she's winning. Uh, and their other sister lives in London and they, they're just a great bunch. And, and like, so, you know, there's always other people going through a fight of some yeah. kind as well. And, uh, you know, um, d- doing inspirational things. And I can't wait for us all to be away and not looking over our shoulders at like where all the kids are and what they're doing. And we can just sort of, you know go out in the sun and and have a proper conversation and I think that's the one thing I really miss is being able to sit and have a a chat over maybe a bottle of wine or something and just just talk adult talk and go out and let your hair down and that sort of thing so that's good and I think yeah that's that's going to help me hugely so you're actually going to take your own advice from when you were cabin crew and you're going to put your own oxygen mask on first (laughs) before you help someone else (laughs) yeah that's a really good way of looking at it that's right yeah we need to do that don't we 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 need to look after ourselves Mm. first i think when i was in the thick of it you just have to get on with it but you but you do need to put those goals in place to keep yourself going, to say, yeah. I'm going to reward myself after this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do something for mm. myself. And I had also, um, Lloyd was wonderful because he knew I wanted to get involved in woodwork yeah. and work with my hands. And he, um, once he'd recovered and we set up the business now, he booked me on a woodwork course, which has been really good. <laughs> I've been having Thursdays doing, um, just making, I've made a toolbox, which is down there, and I've, I made um I'm in the middle of making a cabinet at the moment, so learning dovetail joints and all oh these amazing things. Yeah, <laughs> and that I designed the book, the shelves over there, which I love. And I so you yeah, can't do more listeners like can't see this bookshelf. No, they can't. It it's, is amazing. It's made from scaffold, uh, yeah, boards, and um, it's kind of like a, a jigsaw effect of a different. Yeah, different types of yeah, uh, little cubby holes for things and. So you just have to take our word for it. Yeah, it is amazing. (laughs) You could you could literally climb on that as well. It does look very sturdy. Um, Yeah, so um, yeah, that's keeping a positive attitude. It's not always easy sometimes, but you but like I said, a day will make a difference. So, what is the best advice that anyone has given you in your life? Oh, I've been thinking about this lately because everyone sort of has a, a catchphrase, don't they? For, yeah. And I think uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is a really oh good one. <laughs> but, oh, or, but also, I, my one, I think, yeah. genuinely, it's an old-fashioned one and it's not very... I I think it works. Is if Where there's a will, there's a way. I really do strongly believe that. Mm. And I, and with everything, like if there's if you want something, if you want something in a certain way, or you just genuine, you just want something. Uh, if you will it, and you really work hard for it, or you can find a way to do it. There's mm. from the simplest tasks to the most, um, you know, intricate or or things that seem impossible. Mm. They're not. They're, everything's possible. That's yeah. a good one. And the final question, where do you think you get your strength from? Oh, that is a tough one because I used to, um, I used to have a lot of faith and I, I think that was shook a little bit when I had a child born with a disability um, and that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, but I do, I do still believe in something i believe there's a like a 
a greater power out there um and i choose to call it god but people choose mm-hmm. you know that than which mm-hmm. non-greater can be conceived that that's yeah. what it is and but also um I, th- I do think my mum is very strong. She has an awful lot to deal with. She always has had an awful lot to deal with, um, caring for other people um, and quite um, complex issues. But I have learned from her as well because she doesn't do anything for herself and I see her suffer for it. And if I could do more for her, I would. But I think... Yeah, yeah, it's difficult because you have to help yourself. You, mm. you really have to help yourself, and I, 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 it hurts me to see how little she thinks of herself and how little she does for herself. And I think I made a conscious decision um, to, you know, to to do more for me because she's worth it and I'm mm. worth it, and you have to remember that. And I, I just, stre- I, I don't know, strength. I think. My dad's Scots, and we're we're strong people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I've always been um, I've had good friendship groups, and always we've always been kind of out there doing things, and and people you know leading the way on certain yeah, yeah, things, yeah. and 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 had a lot of fun. I I li- had a lot of fun as a teenager. I did a lot of stupid things as well, um, but it's best to get them out of the way before. <laughs> and I think it made me a, a less selfish parent, and and a, a more um i know right from wrong um i had a good grounding in christianity as well for that too morally morally knowing right from wrong and um and treat other people how i'd like to be treated it hurts though when you're that's not reciprocated i think it hurts more because you don't expect that from people because you wouldn't do it yourself but that's that's life and i i think we just have to learn from everything we're certainly finding that at the moment lloyd and i with our own business (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, well, and I think on that note, we should just remind people that is Red Dragons Martial Arts in Bristol. Yeah. You have a website. We do. Facebook page. RedDragonsMartialArts.com. Uh, we've been, Lloyd's been working really hard on that lately. Um, and we've, we're all over Facebook. There's different age groups. So um, the little, little ones, to, from, we go from two and a half years old. They're preschool Tiny Titans. Then, then it's Tiny Titans. Then the juniors are from six, seven-year-olds, and then great adult classes, and we're just re- relaunching a ladies' class too. So yeah, ladies need to get out there. And <laughs> it's a good introductory one, that one on a Tuesday morning. So that's that's going to start in September, the next one. So if you're in Bristol, and you're looking for fitness, discipline, mental wellness, yeah, that's really helped great me. Great thing to um get involved in absolutely i would have never believed i could have got to my black belt and i'm at my purple belt now and that's my husband pushing me and um and if you're not <laughs> haven't really been given a choice <laughs> which has helped and then uh, but my last grading um i surprised myself too and i'm in my 40s so if i can do it i think anybody can do it and just go for it and i've seen how much it transforms other people's lives it's and i truly we believe so strongly in what yeah, we're doing yeah. and the kids love it so yeah come and try it <laughs> so on that note i'd like to say thank you very much amanda Thank you, Maria. And thanks, everybody, for listening.